Hey, welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming, brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. I'm Mia. He's Slim. Hello. And together, we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watch lists, all under 30 minutes or your money back. Mia, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is back this week with Ryan Coogler in theaters and... Steven Spielberg is making a movie about movies. Is this the biggest episode in history? Not just even weekend watchless history, just in podcast history. Audio history. Let's just say audio history. Audio, yes. Nothing has ever been this big. So this week we'll talk about Wakanda Forever, The Fablemans getting a, a limited release ahead of its wider release later this month, and a Lindsay Lohan holiday rom-com hitting Netflix. We'll also look back to see what everyone thought of last week's releases, your own community reviews tagged Weekend Watchlist, and of course, our own shuffled watchlist later in the show. And maybe, just maybe, we'll hear from Paul Dano himself. It's true. It's true. We may hear from Paul Dano himself. I may or may not have spoken to him in person, Slim, <gasps> my first in-person scoop. I, before before we even go on, I just have to say, it looks so cool seeing you in like a highly produced video sitting in a room with Paul Dano. I was reviewing the footage. It looked great. You did great. It was amazing. <gasps> Thank you. I had such like imposter syndrome looking at that footage. I was like, who is this like television interviewer? <laughs> who is she? This extra reporter. <laughs> but before we get into Paul Dano, let's see what's going on over in Wakanda with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, directed by Ryan Coogler. This is on a whopping 72,000 watch lists. And of course, it will be going wide. The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. I'm the resident Marvel nerd. Feel free to call me the nerd on the show, the comic book nerd. I'll accept it with happiness. (laughs) But I'm excited to see Black Panther Wakanda forever. So as of recording, I have not seen it. But by the time this episode is out, I will have seen it. So maybe we'll play a little clip of my thoughts later. Um, But until then, I... I was like a huge Marvel Cinematic Universe dweeb. Like I loved Endgame. Endgame was, it delivered in in every way, shape and form. I was like that that goober weeping in theaters. But I kind of have checked out since then. So when I first saw this trailer, I was like, maybe I'm coming back. I need to see, you know, how they're going to uh, accommodate what happened with Chadwick years ago, how they're going to lead this like franchise into another era. So I'm excited to see it. Have you seen Black Panther? Is that one of the movies that you've delved into seeing in the Marvel universe? It's true. I have seen Black Panther. It is one of, I believe, four of the modern Marvel movies I've seen. (laughs) Um, So at least I actually know some of these characters, which is very exciting for me. Uh, Slim, do you think that maybe a title has to have end in it for you to enjoy it? Like (laughs) Avengers Endgame, Halloween Ends? (laughs) The amount of grief I'm getting about my love for Halloween ends, but I've been getting DMs constantly from people that are afraid to say publicly that I agree with me. And feel free to DM me. We can have a safe space in the DMs talking about how great Halloween ends is. I'll be vindicated in in decades once there's a a review of that movie. I've mentioned this to you off air, Slim, but my dad wanted me to reach out to you personally and say (laughs) that he really enjoyed Halloween ends. Thank you. Thank you. His strength is fueling me. You know, our the love of exists. cinema. Yes. 
Yes. So there are some reviews for Black Panther Wakanda Forever out already. Uh, Geekly Goods, my jaw is on the floor. Incredible from beginning to end. A beautifully written epic that presents themes of grief, loss, lethargy, and vengeance. Well, visually stunning, amazingly acted. Bassett, Wright, and Huerta are unbelievable. I am so moved. I mentioned earlier... Um, that I haven't seen it as of recording, but my son and I are going to see it tonight. And I figured maybe I'll record something to give my take on it. So maybe we have a clip right now from my future self. Let's hear what I have to say about Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Thank you, Slim uh, Self. As I'm recording this, it's around 11 p.m. Eastern time. And my son and I just got back from seeing Wakanda Forever with a crowded theater to quote my son, I liked it more than Black Adam. As I said earlier, I've been kind of out of the loop for Marvel movies and TV shows since Endgame and maybe a few movies after that, like Spider-Man I saw. And there were a few times in this where I was scratching my head feeling like I missed a season or three of a backstory of a character that was new to me. Uh, and that's the first time I think I, I have felt that so far in a Marvel movie. I think it's a three and a half star movie for me. It's so hard to top Black Panther, especially with the loss of Chadwick on top of that. It has some truly incredible five-star moments in it though that I was tearing up and crying during. So at the end of it, my son and I had a great time laughing and talking about the movie we saw together afterward. And to be honest, that's all I could ask for. Wow, Slim, that was the most eloquent I've ever heard you speak. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh so keep an eye out for my review I'll probably have my review uh, in the episode notes for Wakanda Forever uh, maybe I liked it maybe I loved it maybe none of the above but in the meantime we've got another superhero movie the origin <laughs> story of Mr. Steven Spielberg okay the <laughs> Fablemans it is a superhero movie I can say this because I've seen it um, oh my God. So The Fablemans, directed by Steven Spielberg. This is on 55,000 watch lists. It has a limited release this weekend, but is expanding November 23rd. You will have to wait till Thanksgiving to watch it, but it is well <laughs> worth the wait. This is a coming-of-age story about a young man's discovery of a shattering family secret and an exploration of the power of movies to help us see the truth about each other and ourselves. My God. This, this, I am trying so hard to not, get hyped. I'm trying to de-hype myself every week that I hear people talk about the Fablemans, but you've, is, is the rumor true you've seen it already? Yes, and I can substantiate your hype. I can confirm it. It is, it is a great film. It's been, it's my personal favorite Spielberg in two decades, wow. probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't really connected with a ton of his later work, but this really, I was moved. I was very moved in the theater. I was tearing up, particularly Michelle Williams. She is giving one of like the most empathetic performances of the year. Um, I keep calling this movie cute to people, uh -huh. which sounds really derogatory and condescending, but I don't mean it in that way. Like I am pro cute. It is a right. compliment when I'm saying it. And I am totally fine with this winning best picture. You're um, are you calling it well, as best picture front runner? Word on the street is that this is just this is a best picture front runner. I think it would make sense for it to win, and I would be totally fine with it winning because it is one of the better odes to the power of cinema. Wow, we referenced it earlier, but you actually sat down 
in a room with Paul Dano to have a conversation about this movie. How was that? You got to tell that, me more about I this. I cannot believe you guys pay me to talk to these people. <laughs> it's insane. I don't, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Um, Yes, it was my first in-person interview. Very exciting. He was familiar with Letterboxd, which is always a thrill. Mm. (laughs) Paul Dano Nation, it's strong. (laughs) (laughs) But we talked about, you know, his reverence for Spielberg. You know, everybody has a Spielberg picture that they really... That, that really resonates with them. So it was it was very gratifying to talk with him about that and about, you know, balancing playing a fictional version of a real person, which is which is very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a great conversation about that. Maybe we can even roll a clip from it with that. Oh my. Huh. Can, can we roll it? Do we have the clip? Can we roll yeah. the clip? Let's try that. I tried to take as much as I could from Arnold and from Stephen and bring that to Bert, but it's also about where does Paul meet Bert as well. I think mimicry or imitation is just sort of nowhere in the in the uh, recipe, right? So it's about capturing some essence or spirit for this because he was an engineer. I think it was really about how do I build this life and and how do I capture this life lived? I tried to let Arnold through me, but I tried to let the, the beautiful words that Stephen and Tony, you know, wrote um, through me and Bert then. And and somehow it's 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 Bert now. Paul, he is so Paul. thoughtful. And I'm proud of myself for only going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, twice in that clip. <laughs> That's an incredible record. <laughs> that was very well done. I Thank will you. give you that. Thank you. It's what we learn in journalism school. <laughs> That's right. So Brian Formo, our own Brian, left a review before we move on. Many of the best scenes of the year are in The Fablemans. These include an attempt to inhale Jesus for a makeout session, courtesy of a deviously smiley performance from Chloe East. Michelle Williams driving her children toward a tornado and really any scene where it seems that Steven Spielberg's mother is experiencing mania. Yeah. Again, Michelle Williams wow. is is really giving it her all here. She reminded me of Jenna Rollins in A Woman Under the Influence, which is one of the highest compliments one can give. From one fantastic actress to another, Lindsay Lohan, Falling for Christmas, directed by Janine Damien. It's on 2000 Watchlist, and it's going to be streaming on Netflix. This holiday season, Fall for the Unexpected, a newly engaged and spoiled hotel heiress, finds herself in the care of a handsome blue-collar lodge owner and his precocious daughter after getting total amnesia in a skiing accident. (laughs) Oh, I didn't realize this was an amnesia movie. Those are always fun. It's always very convenient. um, It is very convenient. Yeah. So we were talking about this movie in our DMs. I never would reveal DMs, but we were talking about this movie in our DMs. And I made a comment about the the male lead, Chord Overstreet. Chord Overstreet. Like, Come on, Slim. <laughs> Chord? That's how, that's how unfamiliar I am with him. And then I was like, I was destroyed in the DMs because I have never watched Glee. I was like, I revealed myself as being so ignorant of his previous work. So Chord, 
I'm offering a public apology. I'm sorry, Cord. I can't believe you've been calling him Chord in your head this whole time. <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> we do have a, an advanced review from LG that we wanted to spotlight. This is about the cheesiest, corniest, cringiest, absolute worst rom-com of the year, but it's the start of the Lindsay Lohan renaissance, so it will get nothing less than five stars from me. That's on Netflix. I know Mitchell's really looking forward to this one, and anything that makes Mitchell happy makes me happy, so... <laughs> I'm <laughs> yes. <laughs> In addition to Falling for Christmas, we have another Netflix film coming out this weekend. It is called Is That Black Enough for You, directed by Elvis Mitchell. Uh, this is a look at the Black Revolution in 1970s cinema, from genre films to social realism, from the making of new superstars to the craft of rising auteurs. Um, if you listened to the James Gray Four Faves episode, he recommends Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep, and this film dives into that film as well as mm. a, a really huge treasure trove of of black films. Um, highly, highly recommended. Luke Hicks left review, like opening a treasure chest, essential, largely untold film history, black people constantly being shut out of the industry and having to find new ways to do things, innovating out of necessity and changing the game in the process. So yeah, I'll add this to my watch list for sure. Now let's take a look back at the previous week and let's see how the movies that came out last weekend fared, some physical releases, and what our community is saying. Remember, if you want your review or list potentially featured on an upcoming episode of Weekend Watchlist, just add the tag, hashtag Weekend Watchlist. I've seen so many banshees of Inishirin out in Tagged, so lots of people finally seeing that movie in theaters, uh, it was cool to see that. I mean, they're flowing in. It's like, I mean, what's the rating? Did I write it down? It's like a 4.2 or something insane really? right now in Letterboxd. Yeah, it's high. <gasps> the power of Colin Farrell's eyebrows. <laughs> wow. It's, a, it's another big Colin Farrell week because I watched yeah. The New World, which we'll talk about <gasps> later. Oh, ah, okay. I'm excited for that. <laughs> and also Tar is getting another, so I'm seeing a ton of Tar reviews in my feed. Kate Rose left a Tar review, a friend of mine. About an hour into this movie, an older man behind me very loudly asked his wife, when is this movie over? And I related to that man on a deep level. Uh, so I, <laughs> Mia's face is just cracking me up. She's pursing her lips together. It's like the meme, the, uh, the clenched fist meme. So I was joking with my friends about like the tar backlash, some three stars coming in, but still very high. People love tar. I, I don't know when I'm going to see it. Maybe when it hits VOD, but I need to get in there. I need to make a decision on my own. You got to see Tar. You, you, you got to see Tar. I cannot condone Kate's review, but I respect it. I respect that we need to have <laughs> fair and unbiased reporting, uh, have a wide variety of perspectives, even those we disagree with. So Tar's like four hours long, right? I it's believe, a long yes, movie. it's a four hour long <laughs> <laughs> Mia's not having any of my BS Uh, talking about four-hour length. (laughs) It's two hours, 38 minutes. We can do it. (laughs) Shorter than the Batman before anyone yells at me in my DMs about that. So I'll say that much. What about you? You had a busy week. You went to AFI Fest. What is AFI Fest, first of all? What did you see? AFI stands for American Film Institute. They're a highly respected film institute, and they have an L.A.-based film festival that I got to attend for the first time ever. I saw six films at the festival, uh, my favorite of which being Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Very <sighs> exciting. How was it? How was how was it? I really enjoyed I actually just posted a review of it. I really oh. enjoyed it. Um, they also put me front row um, 
at this event. So I was five seats away from Guillermo del Toro himself. I was like 10 feet away from Christoph Waltz. I cannot believe this happened to me. It was an insane weekend. Six movies. That's like one tar. It's yes, like one tar. Yes, that is equivalent to one to one tar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just all the tar heads out there. I'm just kidding. These are all jokes. We're all friends here. Yeah. You I just found your Pinocchio review. Four stars. And a heart. That's 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 heart. That's high praise. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite praise. film of the festival. Second being The Eternal Daughter by Joanna Hogg, starring Tilda Swinton in dual roles. Tilda. Weird, the Al Yankovic story is sitting at a very high average, 3.7 on Letterboxd. People are having fun seeing Al Yankovic in all his glory by Daniel Radcliffe. Emma left a review, a parody of a weird Al Yankovic biopic should be. Could have gone without the meaningless fat jokes. I do remember, uh, there's that like the song uh, that Al had, was popularized back then. They do reference it in a scene with his mom and it just felt like, Maybe we probably could have cut this out in 2022. It doesn't really vibe very well. But yes, very fun movie, I thought. I still haven't seen it. I really want to see it because I keep seeing people compare it to movies like um, Hot Rod Mm -hmm. and like those movies that have like a gag a minute. That's what I've been seeing. And with my short attention span, I think that that could be really up my alley. My short attention span and my fondness for musical parody. What else from last week should we highlight? The Wonder, starring Florence Pugh, uh, that is in limited theaters and it drops on Netflix November 16th. It has a pretty good average of 3.6 and we have a review from Sarah May. This movie has everything. Blue dresses with mud at the bottom, comma, soup. (laughs) (laughs) Causeway with Jennifer Lawrence is also sitting at a 3.5 average. We need to get a t-shirt with like 3.5 and a heart. It's perfect. So we can wear that. The idea, the Gemma line, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. So let's go quickly to our Letterboxd Top 50 of 2022, which Jack puts together. Jack crunching the numbers in our server room. He's, you know, reading ticker tape. He's, he has an abacus back there. And he's making an exception for a music documentary, Selena Gomez, Me and My Mind. Have you heard about this doc? This documentary, Selena Gomez? It was the opening night film at AFI Fest. Um, Where were you? Mostly. I know. I was not. Where was I? (laughs) I was at home playing L.A. Noir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good excuse. Yeah, really busy. So uh, Jack has made an exception for this one because it's not really like a musical, you know, filming a concert. It, it focuses on her music career for the first uh, 15 minutes. Um, and she's not really selling anything, really. It focuses on mental health resources. Premiered at AFI Film Festival, like you said, last Wednesday before it's going to be on Apple TV Plus on Friday. And now ranks 11 on the top 50, the third highest rated documentary of the year. And Jack points out, um, I think it's worth us watching it to see her go through the press rounds in order to see what it's like from the other side. It was interesting to see her dwell on some journalist questions. Yeah, this is the kind of like behind the scenes stuff of these documentaries that I really do appreciate because you get like an inside look into, I mean, it's gotta be hell going through all those like press tours and stuff and dealing with like all that BS, mama mia. I need you to tell me about Colin Farrell. (laughs) I saw you liked my New World review earlier this morning, so I knew you were interested in my thoughts on Colin. Uh, Terrence Malick, The New World. Maybe people know of this as like the retelling of the Pocahontas story. That's at least how I remembered it. Um, So this hadn't been on my watch list for long because I think I watched another Terrence movie and I loved the vibe. So I was like, okay, let's add this to my vibe list. 
And it's like all vibes in this movie. I wrote in my review that I had like some quirky one-liners that I was thinking about using and man shall live on vibes alone. Um, it's gorgeous. The cinematography is out of this world. The music from Horner is insane. And Colin, it's hard to describe because I feel like there's two eras of Colin, at least from my view, you probably have some opinions on this, but there's like younger Colin where he hasn't really nailed his current modern look. Um, because in this movie, he's got like the weirdest hair. It's it's just he's got very the long like, hair. Yeah, it's very strange. And he almost looks young. It looks like Miami Vice era. It looks like he just came off the set of Miami Vice pretty much. Um, but I thought he looked great. And I thought the story was interesting. I think I liked how I felt while watching it. Like I didn't really connect with the story too much. Christian Bale is also in it, which I didn't even realize until I saw his name in the credits. But I enjoyed it. The cast is stacked on that one. Surprisingly stacked. My favorite English character actor, David Thewlis, shows up. Um, that always makes me happy to see him. Um, yeah, I, I've also I've also seen this one, so that's that's very you, thrilling. What, do you, what for me. do you think of the New World? This was one I watched in in college. You know, when you're learning about Terrence Malick and being like natural lighting, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so like my my film professor lent this to me on Blu-ray. <clears throat> what did you watch? I watched Vampire's Kiss, which was actually Mitchell's pick for their favorite first-time horror watch of the year. Mm. I did not realize that upon time of recording, and then they they let me know. So this was this was great. Um, I watched this this morning at six a.m. Of course, which is the perfect time to watch a vampire movie. Everyone knows this. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun though, considering how early it was, because it's just Nicolas Cage being so manic running around mm. the streets of New York just like he's really going for it it's Italian excellence like only an Italian man could have gone this hard right <laughs> with the expressiveness and gesturing what's the plot of what's the plot of it what even is the plot it's like literally <laughs> it's it's a guy Nicolas Cage he's this rich asshole and he thinks he's turning into a vampire but he's not Sure. (laughs) So he's kind of having like a mental break. He's like eating pigeons and cockroaches. And and there's like, he's like running through the streets yelling, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Which is like, so me, like that is my culture (laughs) to do that. He wants to be me so bad is what I kept thinking while watching this. This sounds like a modern (laughs) Nicolas Cage movie that like if you had told that pitch to somebody like yeah he's making a movie next year and this is the plot people would be eating it up he is making a vampire movie that's coming out soon so this yeah so you actually kind of predicted that that's interesting Mm. um (laughs) but yeah it did it was very redolent of modern nick cage because this was from like 1988 so it was earlier cage but he's um predicting his future Kind okay. of. Oh, it's also the movie. Last thing, it's it's the movie that that meme comes from, where he's like, "Oh, I can't." This is podcasts are not visual. This is too bad. I can't even yes, describe, describe it. this meme to me. Meme to Great. me, please. Now I have to describe <laughs> this to you, which is never funny. Uh, <laughs> is he making mind, a weird face? This. Is it is it's, it like a weird Nicolas Cage face? Because I feel like I've Nicolas seen that Cage meme. Face, and it's like his. He's like. I can't do it. <laughs> Mia is like angling your face to make the meme. <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking about now? That yes, you've seen I me do. do. It? Okay. I do. I wish I took a screenshot of that yeah. so you could put them side I'm by like, side. 
in me and my big robe. Too. Yes, your I'm podcasting also in a big robe. Robe. Rope, robe. <laughs> All right, we have some members of our community that have also shuffled their watch list that we do want to spotlight. Mm. Uh, I saw a ticket to paradise review in here from Robin. Surprisingly enjoyable as a no-brainer, just relax and melt in your seat movie. Ticket to paradise. Yeah, you got to turn your brain off to enjoy that one. Um, when I no, and I'm I'm saying that as somebody who was able to turn my brain off and have a good time. Like right, I say you that. had to pause La Noir and put on <laughs> yeah. Ticket to Paradise. You were yeah. pausing a lot of things. <laughs> oh, I I have to read this one because it's in my contract that I'll mention any Colin Firth rom com. It's okay. like kind of part of my job, so mm-hmm. I'll read this. Uh, Cherith's Hope Springs review. Absolutely no chemistry. Colin first looked at Heather Graham like she isn't one of the most gorgeous women on the planet. Well, I'll still watch it. <laughs> I will still be adding it to my watch list. Don't you worry, Cherith. You are not dissuading review, me. <laughs> that review enhanced your desire to see the movie. It is a one-star review. I can't wait. Uh, Amanda Wheeler left a From Dusk Until Dawn review. I am shocked that the man who directed this also directed some of my favorite children's movies in the 2000s. I didn't like this because it was too Tarantino for me. Not only does he have a starring role, but there's lots of foot stuff and brutal gore. Hashtag foot stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to go into a Tarantino movie and not expect foot stuff and brutal gore. (laughs) I feel like we got to read this Marcel review. Mm. It's tradition. Uh, Rowan says... Yes, finally, I was able to see Marcel at the Leiden International Film Festival. In the Weekend Watchlist podcast, this film is mentioned and recommended several, several times. Short conclusion, Marcel was super cute. Look at that. Jeez, the system works. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we annoy people enough and they'll say, to hell with it. Yes, I'm going to watch this dang movie. Mm-hmm. We have to shuffle our own watch list again before we go. It's true. We have to get another movie. We have to whittle down this watch list as best we can. I'm still over 300 movies. I feel like I'm not even making a dent. I am going to go to my watch list, filter by stream only to make it easy for me. And then I'm going to sort by shuffle. And that first movie is what I have to watch next. (gasps) David Bruckner from Hellraiser and Nighthouse fame. The Ritual 2017 A group of college friends reunite for a trip to the forest but encounter a menacing presence in the woods that's stalking them. This is on Netflix. Okay. I'm looking it up. It's got three stars from Mitchell. That's like a five star from Mitchell. Yeah, that's a five star from (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell. Mine is quite different from the ritual, quite different genre. This is My Blueberry Nights by Wong Kar Wai. Yes, it's one of his English language films starring Jude Law and Nora Jones. This is an insane cast. I'm sorry. I have to read some of these people. Jude Law, Nora Jones, Natalie Portman, Rachel Weisz, Cat Power. Oh, my God. So this is one of this is famously one of the, quote, lesser Wong Kar Wai's with a 3.1 average. But if Jude Law is in the movie and Wong Kar Wai is directing, I just don't see how I could not enjoy it. So. I actually didn't know. I'll. This is a safe space. I'll be very brave. I didn't know Wong Kar Wai did any English language films. Well, I think he tried it and then after Decided this it happened, it kind him. of, yeah, it deterred him. <laughs> he was like, well, maybe it's not for me. Uh, <laughs> but I will check it on the Blueberry Nights. I've been meaning to watch this since my Jude Law phase in like high school. 
um, when I first the discovered him. Back. I mean, yes, I, I don't want to imply that the phase never went away. I just mean it was very <laughs> severe in high school. It was a sickness. And now I'm kind of in recovery and I can handle it a little more. So. <laughs> oh my God. Jude Law, please. We don't need this right now. We need a healthy Mia on this podcast. Please, Jude, think of my health. Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist brought to you by The Letterbox Show. You can follow Mia Slim, that's me, and our HQ page on Letterbox using the links in our episode notes. And if, just if, you have the time, maybe consider rating the podcast on Spotify or leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it helps spread the word about the show. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript. And to you for listening. Weekend Watchlist is a Tape Deck production. This, this, this is a Tape Deck podcast.